Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where, among other things, we'll find out about the offensive linesman. But I can't believe the call. Me neither. I cannot believe the call. You've got... I can't believe the call. Hello and welcome to Any Given Wednesday, episode XII. That's right, it's the season finale, or pod bowl as we're calling it. This is the NFL podcast for rookie and veteran fans alike, for those who are too afraid to admit that they don't know what a blitz is, to those who followed the game since the blitz itself. Every week we look at a defining moment in the sports history to help us better understand the present. And this week, we're looking at a franchise that is larger than the game itself and a personality whose name has transcended the sport and lodged itself into modern lexicon. It's the Oakland Raiders and John Madden. Uh, Really looking forward to this one. I'm your your rookie host, Tom Parry. And as ever... I'm joined by the bad boy of NFL podcasting. He's the renegade maverick who plays fast and loose with the rules. He's off the back of four hours sleep after watching the NFL divisional round last night. But as Kenny the Snake Stabler says, sometimes you've got to read the game by the light of a jukebox. It's Mr. Mike Bubbins, everyone. Hello, Tom. Hello, world. Morning, Bubs. How are we doing? Do you know what, mate? What I've done today, this is our, as you mentioned, it's Pod Bowl. It's our 12th episode. For 11 episodes, I've reveled in your introductions of me. <laughs> I've, I've written one for you. Oh, and I've written one, I, I, which I'm going to read. I'll be waiting to do this for 48 years in the style of John Fassender. Yes, what a treat. Here we go. <laughs> a standout at Wolverhampton High School, he broke records at Pepe State University. A great man never reminds us of anybody else. But he has had the kind of stellar rookie season that means he can hold his head high in the company of other football luminaries who excelled in their first year. Men like Gail Sayers, Randy Moss, Lawrence Taylor, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson, Franco Harris, and Dick Night Train Lane. So Thomas Parry Wicks can be compared to them, but to few others. He was a man of many words, and when he spoke, everybody listened. I absolutely love that, Bubs. Oh, what a treat. What a treat. There we are, mate. You deserve it after 11. You've done 11 for me, mate. That's my little one back for you. Oh, dude. I love that. Absolutely love that. I just love Fassender. Yeah. Oh. yeah you're good. He was Hollywood good. handsome, but cowboy tough. Oh, they yes. don't do it like that anymore, do they? If you want a John Fassender with a hint of Richard Burton, I'm your man. <laughs> they, they try and give it a go on the BBC sometimes on the BBC highlight show don't they they give it kind of mm. like this uh, right I like Eddie Butler yeah he's a friend but he's no John Fassender yeah Ed, Eddie tries his best doesn't he but it, it, it doesn't quite work on like a match of the day style review show <laughs> like, it's no, just like, not really it, it's kind of slightly it? misplaced <laughs> kind of uh, yeah, that kind of build-up just doesn't quite work when you're going into a two-minute highlight reel <laughs> of, like, Steelers-Browns. Yeah, it's just not glamorous enough either, is it? You know what I mean? 
No, he gives it. He gives it. He gives it his best tilt. Cool. You're uh, joining us from Bubbins Bar. Um, have you got any merch for us this week to bring to the bring to the table? Well, I thought what I'll do as it's the Pod Bowl, uh, Tom. I'm going to put into the uh, collection this week my entire bar because yes, when I bought the bar, I, I made the original bar. Then I, I I bought a bar of an old chap who was downsizing the bar that's here now, and I had to cut it to size and make it fit and add bits and do a little bit of carpentry. But they're originally pink velvet panels. <laughs> I replaced all the panels with uh, green leather panels with, with uh, gold studs. Beautiful. I bought the, uh, the yellow bar stools. And a friend of mine who's no, no, no longer with us made me the Green Bay Packers built-in seating. Again, green leather with, uh, with gold studs. And, um, yeah, so my entire bar, uh, the walls are in green, the skirting boards are yellow, the carpet tiles are green and yellow. All the furniture is green and yellow. The bar stools are yellow. The bar panels are green and yellow. The whole bar <laughs> is an homage to the Green Bay Packers. So for this week for Pod Bowl, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to put my entire bar into the into the collection. There's been a lot of interest in your bar online. Like you are a man ahead of your time, really. With what with lockdown coming in, like oh, yeah. the idea of a home pub has never been more popular. There's loads of people who are just asking extremely practical questions of you. Of kind of like, how do you do it? How much did it cost you? It's one of those questions that when you, if you've got to ask it, it's not the thing for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone said, oh, I, how much should I tell my wife this is going to cost? If you've got to ask your wife how much it's going to cost and, and try to get permission for it. You're not the person to be building a bar in your back garden. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's going to cost whatever it costs. So my, my advice to that, to people who've asked me that is build it first. Because the old cliche is much easier to get uh, forgiveness than it is to get permission. So just build it. Build a bar. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it's going to cost you. Make it. Make it. Like I made most of this. If you build it, they will come. Oh, what a film. I built this bar when the Packers last won the Super Bowl. Uh, and that was a joke at the time, as I said, you know, I, I built it, and you know, if you build it, they will come. And I built the bar, and then that January, the Packers won the Super Bowl, and they haven't won it since. So that as old as this bar is now, and has lived in, and as many nights as it's seen, it's never seen a Packers Super Bowl. So my first Super Bowl, I was, I was, uh, I think I was eleven, and my dad said, "You can watch a Super Bowl." I was in just out of secondary school. You can watch Super Bowl, but you've got to go to school on the Monday. I think he finished like three o'clock in the morning, so I had to get up at half past seven to go to school and I was 11 years old and I just was absolutely ruined but yeah, my dad said you go yeah, into school a, you can't just do that when you're 11 can you the, uh, no. <laughs> the Super Bowl there is, there is nothing like the Super Bowl is there I think, I think like things that the NFL get absolutely right the kind of mythology that they've built, the stature that it almost immediately had, the mythology around getting to the Super Bowl and what it means to win a Super Bowl. We talk about it being a world championship and stuff. They just get it absolutely right, and they know, know how to put it on such a pedestal. The fact that it becomes like the world's most watched sporting event cannot be a Super Bowl Sunday. There's nothing like oh, it. What an experience. I mean, producer Simon's been to several. My, my brother-in-law's been to one. I've got to go, Tom. Yeah. I've got to go. I'm 50 in two years. I need to go to Super Bowl. That's that's the goal, is it? Well, you know what I mean? Well, that, if, that's if, if the commission's listening to this, if Roger Goodell is a listener, and I assume he is, sort me out, Roger. You can only imagine we'll be on season four by then and household names of the sport will probably be introduced in the halftime show. Or something. Oh, absolutely. We'll be the modern-day Pat Summerland, John Madden, me and you. Yeah, we can do. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, let's quick. Uh, let's take a quick spin around the socials uh, before we get into this week's topic. Feel, please keep getting in touch at any given wed pod. Uh, particularly, get in touch with suggestions that you think we should cover in the second series. Books, films, players. We're up for any of that. Uh, just uh, get in touch. Let us know the things you'd like to hear us kind of discuss. Uh, at one with for the ice said regarding teams you follow. I follow the Panthers because I was told to by my cousin. And he follows them because of their shared name with Nottingham's ice hockey team. Decent reason, decent reason. Although a weak, really... re- a weak reason for you following next week. Yeah, follow the Panthers because my cousin. <laughs> because I'm scared of my cousin. That's what it really is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I really like this message. This is from Gareth Edwards at Gareth Edwards eighty eight. Since getting into NFL largely via any given web pod, this is my first yes. late game. Feels like a rite of passage. Go on, come Gareth. On, come on, Ravens. Sorry, Mike Bubbins. So, he was oh, doing what a what a sting in the tail of that one. Go on. 
That's it. That was it. But I just love the fact that we brought him to the game and now he's staying up for the late games. This is that's really great to hear. Well, I've got um, a few here, but I'll let you do yours first. Yeah, just found out that the Steelers have... Oh, I, I just wanted to read out a few where we had a lot of love for the Steelers episode last week. Mm. I did love doing that episode. And uh, the Steelers fans really got on board. Some things that we missed out that I really liked. Um, who got in touch... Uh, at way too Russell got in touch. Ian Alexander got in touch and said, just found out that the Steelers have had only three head coaches since 1969. Yep. The NFL did a short piece about it recently. In that time, they've had six popes, nine presidents, <laughs> but only three head coaches of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I'm currently reading a book about the Rooney family who own them. They absolutely love football. I mean, Cleveland do three a season coaches, don't they? Usually? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Until yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Quite recently. Uh, there is something, yeah, there was something great about that. And, um, Let's have a look who else got in touch. James Wellham got in touch and said, another all-pro pod there, gents. One little oh, wrinkle yes. I always liked about Pittsburgh is that it's the only city, I think, where all the major sports teams wear the same colours. That's pretty yeah. cool. Although right. I believe... Oh, no, I might be wrong. No, I think, I think I'm confusing them with the Raiders that we'll talk about today because the Raiders teams followed uh, the Oakland Raiders, didn't they? When, yeah. when, when they were to Los Angeles... Uh, People like the Kings got in touch with with uh, Al Davis to say, "Would you mind if we start playing the black and silver?" And then Al said, "Yeah, we well, would mind." And then they went, "We're doing it anyway." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds in keeping with uh, with, with everything we're going to hear today. Uh, and then finally, we had a lovely five star review. Uh, excellent content and delivered well. More, please. Oh, That's I mean, the review. Oof. I mean, it's so. I mean, does he, does he know the Twitter's moved on from like forty characters? <laughs> Excellent content and delivered well. More, please. Well, we'd we'll like take more it. from you, actually. But it was yeah. uh, <laughs> it was said in by Dolphin Lundgren. Oh, good name. Dolphin. He's, he's redeemed Lundgren. himself. Redeemed himself there. Yeah. So there you go. Five stars. I mean, the five star review is nice. And I'd rather get a nice short review than a than a bad short review. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Keep the reviews yeah. coming in. I got a few here, mate. Yeah, go we're on. all learn- we're all we're on a, all on an Odyssey together. We're all learning. So I thought today, literally an hour before we record, why don't I mention what we're going to re- record about and ask people to put some stuff in, which I probably should have done about three months ago. But that's yeah, fine. this is a good, this is a really good new format <laughs> yeah. that we finally landed on. It just occurred to me now. As <laughs> <laughs> I was having my breakfast this morning, so um, I said we were going to talk about the Madden era Raiders. So James Dixon at the James Dixon. Uh, Ted Hendricks, along with Deion Sanders, are the only modern players to be all pro selections in three different teams. But Madden resented Al Davis using two first-round picks on him and refused to start him when he first joined the Raiders. I like that one. So I was asking yeah, about well. stuff we may not know. And I said, if, if, if said, a producer Simon doesn't know, you get a bonus point because, as we, as we all know, he knows everything. So let me just have a look. What else we got? We've got um, Velvet Shabazz. Uh, let's get the, the app here. At I Am Acres. The Raiders were the first team to use the word nation to describe their fan base. The Raider Nation are the only officially recognised sports nation in the world of sports. <laughs> I'm not sure how true that is, but it's a good They're a, a recognised sports nation. I like it. <laughs> I love how fans of teams that think, always think that, you know... <laughs> what I'd really imagine is they've got a seat at the United Nations. Like you'd pan across and it's just like... The flag. There's the Kenyan yeah. ambassador. There's a pirate with a... <laughs> there's the UK ambassador. Oh, that, oh, that goes from Raiders Nation. Don't, don't U- mind him. He's Union like- Jack, the Stars and Stripes, the Tricolor, <laughs> the pirate with an eye patch. He's got two, he's got two lager cans either side of his hat, drinking through a straw. I oh, don't mind him. He's, he's from Raider Nation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah, there, there was another one, but I can't find it. But it's, uh, I think it adds to the mystique of the show, really, Tom. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we'll be, that guy will be changing his review not quite That's as well fine. delivered as it used to be yeah, <laughs> yeah. poorly delivered weak in content we used to, used to have good content well delivered this podcast it's really got yeah. to, it's got to pieces <laughs> with in future. a week well there's a team in California which calls itself Pro Football's dynamic organisation this team also lists as its assets a commitment to excellence pride and poise and a monumental rise to greatness if you haven't guessed by now, the team is the Oakland Raiders. And as the saying goes, if you say it but don't do it, that's bragging. If you say it and then do it, that's fact. The Raiders have merely been stating the facts because in the last 16 seasons, they've won more football games than any other team in the NFL. But despite this awesome record, there has been one thing missing, one crowning glory absent, that being a world championship. In 1976, the always tough Raiders got even tougher. 
and launched an all-out bid to accomplish that one supreme achievement. This is the way it was. Right, well, let's get into this week's topic because it is a, it's a really juicy one. And what's nice, I think we haven't done this before, but it kind of serves as a companion piece to last week's. Yeah, it does. Um, now, whereas last week's we focused on the great kind of the dynasty team of the 70s, this week we're kind of looking at the other team from that era, the other great team that kind of, the, this has happened all the way through. You kind of look at it when it's like, when we looked at the 49ers, it's kind of like the Cowboys team were to them. And, you know, it's happened all the way through, really. The Broncos to the Pats uh, dynasty. Alongside the Steelers dynasty was the other team. Just as much personality, just as full of you know characters, perhaps even more so. Mm. Uh, the Oakland Raiders uh, and their Super Bowl winning team of 1976 with their head coach, John Madden. Oh, le- legendary stuff here, isn't it? Legendary stuff. I mean, I would never jump ship, unlike my mate Matt Dunstan, who's a who's a died-in-the-wall Patriots fan, who now I notice on Twitter has become a Buccaneers fan since Tom Brady played so well no, yesterday. Oh, no. Oh, no. It turns <laughs> out he's just a Tom Brady disciple. Awful, no. awful, awful man. And another member of the Sunday Night Club. But, I'll, I'll, I mean, membership is pending after that absolute farce. But anyway, <laughs> but if I had a, I think I mentioned this before, if I'm picking a second team, if I had, a, had not watched that game with my dad back in 1983... Uh, with Washington and, and Green Bay. If I could have picked a team, knowing what I know now, I think I would have picked the Raiders. Because I love that. I love that. That 70s Oakland Raiders especially is just everything I love about about sport, about the 70s, about competition, about characters. What's yeah. incredible about the Raiders in particular, especially for a team that's moved around... They've never lost their identity. Like they have such a strong identity as a franchise That's a good that point. you know they've been to Oakland, they've been to LA, now they're in Las Vegas, and yet they've always felt like the Raiders. When I was a kid here, California, moving from Oakland to LA, thinking that was you know five miles, but Northern California to Southern California is like going from Edinburgh to Cornwall. You know, it's, it's a big move. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. They've always been Raiders wherever they go. And that kind of sense of like Raider Nation. I mean, in fact, even if you if you Google Raider Nation, listeners, you get some absolutely brilliant images of uh, their supporters. Uh, you know, larger than life characters. They're kind of this, and you know, what's great about their identity is the self-styled kind of bad boys of the NFL. <laughs> like, there's no other team that does it like the Raiders. They're really happy being the bad guys. You know, they like to play. You know, oh, they love it. Yeah, and, and that, that comes way. from, or certainly came from, Al Davis, the owner. You know, because Al was was very hands on as a as a he was a coach. Then he went into uh, become an owner in the AFL. Um, was a commissioner. I mean, he's he's been a commissioner. He's been an owner. He's been a coach. I love Al Davis. You know, he, he roughed a lot of people up the wrong way. <laughs> um, I, Matt Millen, it's weird because we're talking about the Madden era Raiders, but the year that after, or two years after he left, so when Tom Flores took over, I can just mention that briefly because it was still very much a Raiders team, but instead of John Madden's stamp on it, it was still Al Davis's team as well. Yeah. Um, Matt Millen, who I love, uh, talks about there was in the locker room there in the in, was to, in the old Oakland Stadium was uh, was a plaque on the wall that said Raiders rule number one: cheating is encouraged. <laughs> Raiders rule number Raiders rule number two. See Raiders rule number one. <laughs> and I love that. Always trying to get an edge. Always trying to needle people. But that division. I mean, that conference especially. It's weird. We talk about in the nineties, NFC Championship games tended to be better than Super Bowls because the NFC was so strong. And I think in the seventies, it, it was the reverse. It was the AFC games because you had the Dolphins had a perfect season. Um, the Steelers obviously won four Super Bowls in six years. Yeah, you know the Raiders had a great team. Going so those in, AFC games were, were bigger than Super Bowl, really. As to get yeah, those absolutely. Games. Going into '76, the Raiders had been to six AFC Championship games and lost Man. all six to the eventual Super Bowl winners. So that just you know that's it. That's like that's that's pretty much the whole of the '70s. Really, you're looking at the AFC absolutely, and often closer than often closer than that team won the Super Bowl by. So, you, you know, they were definitely the two best teams. You can, say, you can make a very strong case they were the two best teams in the league each year, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you got and look at the personality of those teams. Like, we talked about the Steelers 
last week. And one of the things that cropped up with the Steelers was this kind of sense of, oh, the refs don't like us. They're going to change the rules because of the Steelers. And then you get to the Raiders and you're like, hang on a minute, because the Raiders <laughs> are almost like, hold my beer. Because like one of the first stories you get going into the 76 season is the Steelers complaining to the authorities about the way the Raiders roughed them up, calling them criminals. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like, oh, well, hang on, Steelers, because you, you can't be the self-styled uh, hard-hitting bad boys if you're crying you're crying foul uh, when George Atkinson beats Lynn Swan, Lynn Swan. dear I mean, I how, mean it is it, brutal to watch it looks like some of the, it looks like WWE I mean it's so blatant just jogs up behind him the, run, the run's behind him the, run, the run's nowhere near Lynn Swan and just forearms him in the chin from behind. There's, I mean, going back and watching these documentaries, I really encourage you to do it. Watching the footage from the 1970s, Steelers versus Raiders, you just think, oh, they're playing two different games now. It is. <laughs> you just think- I, mean, I mean, obviously, the, the NFL now is a brutal, you know, it's still, it's still a brutal game. But it was just next to lawless in the 70s. When you watch some of those, <laughs> I mean, it was, wasn't it? I mean, there was... Yeah. They were saying they're talking about Matt Millen again. Um, was talking about their their kit man, prided himself in the fact that he was the best at skirting the sort of padding rule. So he said, and you, and you see some of the clubs that the Raiders players had on their arms in the seventies. <laughs> Literally, uh, like it's like weapons, like they're wearing and he said weapons. They, well, yeah, they would dip their hands in plaster of Paris, so that, uh, in the palm, so they could, they could hit people with a palm. The one fellow who said for years said he had a broken, dislocated thumb. He said, well, those, those things take weeks to heal, but he had this thing for about five years. <laughs> and would just make this almost like a, like a dinosaur, this one solid cast of a thumb that he would just jab into people's under their face cage and just chuck, chuck down your Bob, throat. Bob, Bob Brown's thumb. That's like, if, if you look at it, it's this guy It's Bob amazing. Brown. And it is. It's just like having this weapon on the side of his hand. And, and he said the, just jab said the that kit. into the chest. <laughs> and then the kit man would... Whatever coloured jerseys you were playing against, he would tape your forearms and hands that colour so that you couldn't see the holes. They couldn't you see know. any holes. It's incredible, isn't it? It's really Amazing. incredible. I mean, like the size, the size of the things they're wearing on their arms. And they, I mean, like. Well, John Madden, I love John Madden. I mean, there's a bit there when he says, uh, you're trying to defend. He said, well, listen, there's a, the umpire checks the padding before the game, make sure everything's legal. He goes, of course, you can add padding to. After after the umpire's checked, you know, he knows what's going on. Of course, the umpire's checking your kit, and then you're putting on your plaster of Paris and you and you and you kill a thumb. I mean, it is horrific to what like you think about. It, they're out there just warming up. Yep, checked by the umpire. They get into the dressing room and then they just get like like going to war. They just get armed up, tooled up oh, with these wearable weapons. And Phil Villapagna is a great, incre- like he's a. Incredible. Oh, he's the, great uh, for a quote, isn't he? The big linebacker. And, and I tell you, he's one guy who hasn't mellowed with age. Like when he starts talking about the, oh. the battle and stuff, he comes back alive again and he is ferocious. And he, he, he hates the Steelers as much now as he did in, as in 1976. <laughs> he can't stand the, the bile that comes out. He's like, you see, it's like vitriolic even now talking about it. But he, he's, he looks at his arms and he says, I used to call this one the rake and this one the can opener. And then I'd have like a sharp edge on my pads that I could just jam up inside their helmet and it would just rip their helmet off. And that's why I called my left arm the can opener. It's just like, absolutely. Next, it is a different sport that they were playing. Big, brutal guys knock absolute lumps out of each other. I tell you what's interesting about them. There's a lot of teams that, that get an, that a reputation of being playing near, near the edge or over the edge and being, you know, in inverted commas, a dirty team. What they also did really well was they had a lot of skill players. They were very skillful players, you know. And if you listen to players who, who went to other teams, their work ethic was, even though Madden came in and took away things like you had got to wear, he said, I think he said something like, I don't think wearing a necktie on a plane ever made you win a football game. So he sort of came in and said, well, there's no rules as such. You know, you can wear what you like. And so you watch them come off the plane. Some of the stuff they're wearing is amazing, right? He said, you wear what you like. You can do what you like. Um, he wasn't big on curfews and stuff. He said, but you, you need to do what I say when I say it. You need to work hard. So basically play hard, work hard, and then you can do what you like. He had that, he had that trust in them. And they, God, his players loved him, Tom. You listen yeah. to them talk about him now, 40 years afterwards, loved him and would do anything for him. 
because he because he let them get away with shit. But you had to work out. That was it. And players went to other teams said we never had workouts like we had for the Raiders. They definitely fall into that mould of those kind of special teams where you see the team and the coach are together. You know, they're on the same team and it isn't this disciplinarian. We've seen this, two different types of coaches, really. You know, we've got those that are the disciplinarian who send the plays in, who feel like they're the masterminds outside of the players and the players are going to war for their general. But then with guys like Madden, it isn't something special, really, because you see them amongst the players in the dressing room. And like you said, it is this. He's one of them, you know, and yeah. uh, he just gives them a free reign. And he says they're renegades, but they're my renegades. And, I love that. Know, but yeah, I, I, Madden speaks so eloquently in, in such a great way about like um, he, he, he describes them as artists. He says like, you know, yeah. he's describing these big, brutal men. He says what they do is they're artists and you don't. You don't tell them what to do. You just let them do it. You facilitate it so they can do what they... They let them go well, and create. It's incredible. Well, pe- people like John Matusak, who I love, and who died much too young because he was just too wild a bit to stay alive, really. But um, yeah. that bit when he won the Super Bowl, the bloke, the first person to pick Madden up was Matusak, right? And Matusak was a, was a wild, wild man, right? But he just loved John Madden. And you think, well, if you've got those people that will do anything for you, those people who basically are untamed people that will do whatever you say. Yeah. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. that's it's a real... The, that, that cast, because famously, that you know they, they would take the other team's uh, cast-offs, cast people that were uncoachable, people that were incorrigible, people that, you know, they had their reputation for that. You can only do that if you've got a coach that can pull all that together. And when you've got those real wild people coming together, Special, special talent, John Madden. Yeah, absolutely. I watched his son. I watched his son talking about him, and he and he said the word that I used to describe my dad is intimacy. He said he, he loves what he does. He loves the people he works with. He loves what he does, and whatever it's been, he's loved it. There's something so special about it being his only coaching job as well. Really, it's like that. It's he crazy, he only it? really had one team, didn't he? Like Madden yeah. had that team. He took them to the Super Bowl, and then he retired. Like that. That was his team. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Awaken your senses with a curiously refreshing Hendrix Cucumber Lemonade. Curious how? Cue the aroma. Marvelous. Cue the taste. Magnificent. Cue the cucumber. That's the refreshing secret. Hendrix is uncommonly crafted with cucumbers, roses, artistry, and imagination. Other gins are ordinary, but Hendrix is refreshingly curious. Discover Hendrix Gin cocktail recipes at HendrixGin.com. Please drink the unusual responsibly. Hendrix in 44% alcohol by volume. Bottled imported by William Grant Sons, New York, New York. Copyright 2024. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer! And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals, presented by YouTube TV, begin Thursday, June 6th on ABC. He's always known when to move on. He's always left on the absolute crest. Like he said, when he when he when he played, he was big mates with um, John Robinson, the the, the Rams uh, coach as well. Yeah. But he said when he played, he knew when it was time to stop playing. He had an injury. He couldn't play to the level he wanted to play at anymore, and he stopped. He did, he didn't keep going because he knew he wouldn't be as good again, so he stopped playing. Then he goes into coaching. You know, within a really short time of winning the Super Bowl, he says, well, I can't can't achieve that again. I've done it now. I I need to move on. So he moved on again. Then he goes into commentary. He's at the the top of his game. He's the most watched commentator in sports. The most recognisable voice in football, isn't he? In 2009, he goes, that's me done. I'm moving on now. I've peaked. I can't. I can't. I'm only going to go down from here. I'm, I'm moving on. And then you have the EA Sports stuff, and you know, yeah, I'm done with that now. I'm going to move on. 
it's whatever he's done, he's excelled at, and he's got out right at the very top, which takes it takes such bollocks to do that. And every step of the way he's done it, no matter what field it is, what you know, he's loved by those around him. Yeah, and because he loves them, and you could like when Pat Summerall uh, passed away, they showed his eulogy. Christ, did you see when he, when have you seen the bit when when uh, John Madden does Pat Summerall's eulogy? Yeah, and he just starts crying, yeah. and he said, "I've you know." He, he said that the two times you work with him, he said, "I've said this is the third time I've said goodbye to Pat, and this is the this is the hardest." And he starts. Oh. I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. absolutely!" And he can't fake that, and and he and he makes a point of it all the way through. And when, when you see Madden interviewed um, about football, it, you it's you cannot fake it. People see through bullshit so quickly. You can't be somebody else, right? You all you can be is yourself, and people either love that or they don't love it. But if you if you bullshit people, it just doesn't work. One of the great sights of football, I think, is Madden on the sideline. Like, it's such a era-defining sight of this guy, big sideburns, sometimes a cigarette on the go, like a brown tie, shirt, like shirt, brown shirt and tie, just absolutely bollocking the referees <laughs> and just like storming on the yeah. pitch and just like, it, like, like some kind of out of control geography teacher. Like, it's wild, like there's a wildness to Madden. Yeah. On the sideline. Hey! I throw the damn flag! Hey, you jerk! You big jerk! You don't call You ever call one on them? It doesn't look like he should be there, and yet it's per- it's also perfect that he's there. It's a, it's a it's a really really brilliant sight. Like a lot of great leaders, he was never shy about yeah. the fact of saying. I've been inspired by and I've learned from some of the best. So we said when he was working with Don Coriel, okay, they said a lot of the Raiders deep game would come from, he loved that attack that, you know, that deep yeah. game that Coriel played with the Chargers. So he'd use that. He said, I love the Bears of Packers fan. So when he first went in, uh, he did a, he went to a seminar hosted by Vince Lombardi. He said, I thought I knew a bit about coaching. He's like 33 years of age. He said, I sat down there and the power sweep left was, was the big play that the Packers relied on in the 60s. He said, he said Lombardi did eight hours on one play. He said, we went to... <laughs> he said I, I couldn't believe, you Absolutely know, imagine that. that, eight hours on one play. And he said, and I, so I realized I knew nothing. So he, he was like a sponge as well. So he, he would absorb, even though he was very much his own man. He was, he was always wanted to get better, always wanted to learn more, always wanted to find new ways of doing stuff. I love that. Yeah, he has incredible footballing brain, and then this you know brilliant people person motivator as well. When he retired, yeah, I think I think he might still have, or certainly we did when he retired. He was the the highest winning percentage of any NFL. I think he still has. Because, what because, also you don't realise because of how he looked is how young he was. Like, like he 30, he didn't look young. Thirty two, I think when he started. When he, yeah, when he took over the Raiders, he was thirty two. I know it's crazy, isn't it? Because I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. Because you know, recently there was a there was a, a matchup between two of the youngest coaches, like Sean McVay and Matt Lafleur in the NFL, and they said the last time two coaches this young met in the postseason, it was Madden and Don Shula. And you look at Madden and Don Shula, and they were early thirties. Yeah, well, Chuck Noll was thirty-seven, wasn't he? When he took over yeah. the Steelers, he, he never looked thirty. So we talked about it last week. But um, yeah, he's a young young man, and he said. But even then, he said when when Al Davis got rid of the coach. And he was an assistant at the time. He wasn't like a coordinator. He wasn't. He wasn't the traditional next in line. And he just said, "Why not me? You know, what? Why shouldn't I go for this?" So at thirty-two, which had never been done before, not in the modern era, says to Al Davis, "I want. I want to. You know, I'll put my hat in the ring for coach." And Al Davis says, "Yeah, okay, do it. Let's do it." When he said that thing about their artists, uh, he said. The thing about these players is they're not robots and you can't treat them like robots. You've got to give them their freedom to do what they want to do on the pitch. There's a certain element of that that is lost in the modern game because modern athletes, with the amount of money that's in the game, they have to show so much control and they're so vilified for anything that steps outside and like with the match bands that come and things like that. You do think that that kind of flair is lost somehow, certain degree, you know. We've only got Ted Hendricks on the sideline, you know, wearing like a Halloween mask. <laughs> Ted, Ted Hendricks. And they then, said the mad stalk. They said the first day he arrived at training, <laughs> the first day that he was signed for the Raiders, he turned up to training on a ho- on horseback. <laughs> Yeah. Wearing a German stormtrooper helmet with his number written on <laughs> yeah. the side. He rode into the centre of the field on that. 
<laughs> and the Raiders go, yeah, you'll fit in. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, mate, we, we have mentioned that, uh, a lot of books on this podcast, but if you read Kenny Stabler, who's the quarterback, read his book called The Snake. Um, my God. And it, it is... I mean, it it opens the lid on all that era, and it is an absolute eye opener. Like they're talking, <laughs> talking about Matusak. Where they, their training camp was was up in, um, come on, who was it? It wasn't in Oakland, little this little town in California. He said, but Matusak was such a wild bloke and been to other teams, and no one could really tame him. And he was, you know, he had, he had obviously had issues. But um, the coach, he said, I, I got called in by I think I, I, I think Mel Davis or John called him in and said. Um, we, we need to calm him down. So we're going to move him in with you, Kenny. So, but Kenny was like the, the, this wild party in um, womanizing proper Southern country boy quarterback. So they get, they made John Matusak his roommate. <laughs> and it's hilarious, but they said they'd, they'd walk into a bar. He said, and John was a, this giant of a bloke. And you would just find the two prettiest girls in the bar. And this is, I'm not, I'm not condoning this behavior, but it was just as a, and they just and put one over each shoulder and then walk out. And they go back to his place and they party all night and whatever. And it's different days, Tom, isn't it? I mean, I, I've done that with you, but there was there was there was nothing sexual about it, was there? No, well, you say that. <laughs> well, not for me anyway. Um let's let's talk about the snake because I oh, mean man. I mean, like, look, a, a team full of amazing nicknames. There's like, you know, Jack Tatum's the assassin. Casper's the ghost. So you've got the assassin, the ghost. You've got Skip Thomas, who's Dr. Death. <laughs> and then, but then Kenny, the snake stabler, one of the game's great quarterbacks. And, um, you know, when you, it, it, it's, it's very funny to meet him and see the characteristics that we've kind of met before, which is mm. this kind of softly spoken Southern guy who uh, went to the same university, played under Joe Namath. So, like, you see that kind of, sure, it's like yeah. following on in the grand tradition of this kind of, this, you know, softly spoken Southern guy who's up north now in, you know, well, do you know what? And we talk about the Raiders and the Steelers again, right? You look at Bradshaw was this Southern good time boy, you know. Yeah, yeah. A gunslinger. But the difference was the coaches. So he goes under Chuck Knoll, and Chuck Knoll's a disciplinarian. Yeah. And you get a John Madden, he goes, do what you like, you do know, you just, like. just work hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, he, he says himself, you know, quite often I was reading the game by the light of the jukebox. Oh, and he, he said, I could get by by two. Yeah. I love that quote. He said he could get by on two or three hours sleep a night. Well, he had and, a couple uh, of quotes that stuck in my mind. The one was what he's talking about. You got the responsibility of the team on his shoulders. He says, uh, on your shoulders, whether these boys got a two car or a three car garage. <laughs> it's so good. I thought, so come good. on, you'll do. <laughs> and then he says, if you get too many third and longs, you'll be sleeping on your side of the bed. <laughs> what a bloke. Oh, yeah. uh, but, like, you know, a really smart guy. Uh, his life, know, mate, comes... is brutal. I mean, his upbringing, his old man was was a very, very, very uh, harsh, hard-drinking alcoholic. And, God, he talks about, like, in university, the one somebody come back because his his dad had the had his mother and his sister at gunpoint, basically. Oh God! I mean, it's absolutely brutal what he went through as, as a kid growing up. Um, but I think that sort of to to live through that and to have to have your imagine your old man putting a gun at your head, which happened to him. It was dad yeah. pulled holds a gun on him. But you you get through that and 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 then everything just seems like a party for him. Do you know what I mean once you've been through that brutal upbringing? then you're just going to live every day like it's your last day. And that's exactly what Kenny Stabler did. A hell of a career as well. And like, uh, he he's another quarterback who was allowed to call all the plays and kind of, he was yeah. put in charge. He says like, Madden would just give me the playbook. He'd give me all the plays and then he'd say, go out there and win it. And and he was the guy who would go out and call the plays. And Madden, Madden's, I loved what Madden said about that. He kind of said, there's a huge difference between guys in the huddle saying they want us to run this play and being in the huddle and saying, we're going to run this play. Yeah, nice. And he said, that's the difference. Uh, and, and he wouldn't have had it any other way. This is what we want to do. If you watch, the, watch that film of him playing, right? He was a good time boy. He probably drank too much. He didn't sleep enough. Uh, you know, he, he was he was bed hopping through most of the 1970s. 
But what he also did on a Sunday was play some brilliant football. Like some of those passes you watch and tough. You imagine like playing regularly playing the Steelers. He used to get battered. Ken. I mean, his, his, his injury list is, is phenomenal. Just real toughness, real skill. They talk about, oh, there's a great line about, um, it's about Matusak again, when they go to um, New Orleans once. I think it might be Super Bowl week. And there was, uh, there's no real curfew for Madden or Al Davis. But the players get together and say, listen, we, the coaches have been great, so we're going to basically set our own curfew. We're going to say we, we're, not gonna, we're not going out. We're going to focus. And then Matusak goes out all night, right, and sort of staggers in in the morning. He's had no sleep. And someone says, John, what are you doing, man? He says, we, 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 we agreed that we weren't going to do this. You know, he went, I went out there to make sure none of you guys were out there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you'll do, mate, you'll do. (laughs) That's really, really good. You mentioned uh, the crazy store called Ted Hendricks. Yeah. Another nickname, which I love. You know this, they they call him Kick Him. No. Kick Him in the Head Ted. It's great. It's really good. <laughs> but I mean, like they do talk about the amount of penalties that they draw in games. Oh, they just didn't care. They were just like, that is, you know, that is what we'll do. Uh, well, they said they'd often have more penalty yards than the opposition would have passing yards or running yards. <laughs> so you're playing against your own team. <laughs> to factor that into their game plan, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stable had a great arm on him, we should say. Like part of that. Yeah. Like you, you touched on it earlier, but part of Madden's kind of setup was this kind of throwing these deep bombs, kind of this big long passing game, which must have been pretty. Well, even there, mate. I mean, uh, week in, week out. and credit to Madden and Davis because lefties were seen as a risk. I mean, you know, and still are. You don't see a lot of left-handed quarterbacks now. Yeah. But Stabler, you know, that was his thing. And he was he was thrown to he had Clifford Branch and. Uh, the two wide receivers. Beletnikov, Puffin Billy. Beletnikov, yeah. Puffin AKA Puffin Billy. Billy. AKA, AKA Stick'em Up Billy as well, because he used to be covered in Stick'em. Yeah, so talk, let's talk about talk about that. So he'd put a big wad of Stick'em on his socks and then have them yeah. on his hands so that he could catch the ball. Well, yeah, so if, if people don't know what Stick'em is, that for a, for, a, for a period of time in the NFL, it's banned now, but you could use Stick'em, which was basically like a, you imagine like a cross between super glue and Vaseline. If they put it on the the bats of baseball bats, don't they? Well, they're not allowed to anymore. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, but so stick them is really thick, horrible, gummy stuff. Um, and the receivers, uh, well, Lester Hayes as well, the cornerback, they say would be absolutely covered in stick them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Fred Letnikoff, puffing Billy because he was a chain smoker. He'd have his, you know, he'd have his last cigarette as he was running onto the field. Um, he wore so much that he'd have to get the kit man to give him his chewing gum because he couldn't open a packet of chewing gum. He's covered in stick gum. <laughs> they talked about Lester Hayes. It's not in any of the docs, but I read about it years ago. And they said he had so much on him that if the ball hit him on the back of the helmet, it would have stuck. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. But again, just to get, you know, the, the rule said you could use that. So the Raiders took it to the nth degree and just said, we'll just use loads of it then. Yeah. It was like flypaper. Whatever it takes to win, isn't it? Whatever it takes to win. But Blenikov is a great player too. You watch. I mean, for a bloke who didn't look the part, he reminds, there was a fellow called Max McGee in the in the '60s for the Packers who reminds me of Blenikov a lot. Just you know, the the long hair, the kit never seemed to fit him properly. Yeah, gangly, he looked like he never been to never lifted back. a weight in his life, but just got it done. You know, just was yeah. and made those really brave catches. Got hammered when he caught the ball. I love, yeah, I love Fred Bletnikoff, yeah. Like you compare him to some of the more graceful wide receivers that we've covered. Oh, he's no Lynn Swan, was he? You can't even compare them to them. There's a bit Um, on one of those docks and it shows Bletnikoff on a run towards the end zone, but it's the cameras, there's some great camera angles. It's in front of him and his jersey's ripped. You can see his shoulder pads. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. His shoulder pads are bouncing all over the place. He looks like a toy helmet he's got on, which is not even strapped up properly. I thought, go on, sir. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, wicked! Yeah, and then uh, and then on the other side you got Clifford Branch, whom John Madden said a very funny thing about. He said he said the thing about Clifford Branch. He said his first few seasons I had him. It gets to like the third quarter, and he'd come up to me and say, uh, "Coach, I figured it. I can beat my guy deep." 
And then he said, after after the third season, the national anthem had finished playing. Of this. To me and going, coach, I can beat my guy deep. Amanda, go, you've not even seen your guy yet. You don't even know who he is. No, no, I can beat him deep. Oh, class. Oh, producer Simon just showed us that uh, being producer Simon trumped us again. Look, he's got a signed Fred Bletnikoff photograph. Of course he has. Amazing. Look at that. And the old, the old one bar face cage as well. One bar face cage, one popper chin strap. It's barely any. It's barely any protection at all, is it? Really? Oh, go on, Fred. <laughs> Just caught him one of those brief moments between cigarettes as well. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Two packs a day, and they said he'd be smoking in the change room. He'd go to the toilet, he'd throw up because he'd have pre-game nerves. Imagine it. Come out, light another cigarette, right down the tunnel, flick it just before he pulls down his helmet to go on. <laughs> it's a different sport, but I've got to mention this because it's relevant. Barry Sheen, yeah. who I love from uh, motorcycle racer from the nineteen seventies. Yeah. When he was racing, uh, his old man was his was his crew chief. He got his dad to drill a hole in his helmet. So we could have a fag on the starting grid. <laughs> yes, oh, please. Oh, I don't. Bad. I don't smoke. I don't smoke. I'm not condoning smoking. But if you want to do something, then just do it, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. God, that's so good. So the Packers had a had a brilliant line. Jerry Kramer and uh, Fuzzy Thurston, and um, he talks about. He ran that sweep that Lombardi loved to the left a lot. Yeah. People said, he, he said, why'd you, you run that play a lot? He says, but I got Otto Graham, all pro center, Hall of Fame. I had Gene Upshaw, left guard, all pro, Hall of Fame. I had Art Shell, left tackle, all pro, Hall of Fame. He said, of course I ran that play. Three <laughs> 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 of the best linemen in history on the left side of my line. I'm going to run the ball to the left quite a lot. Yeah. Must be mad lining up against that play after play. And you know you know what they're gonna oh, do. You just can't do anything brutal. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. That's it. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Everything in the United States, everything really in a sports sense in the world, is zeroed in, focused today, here in the canyon at Arroyo Seco. This 11th Super Bowl will be viewed in 41 nations around the world. Desde el Tazón de las Rosas en Pasadena, California, los Raiders de Oakland y Vikingos de Minnesota se enfrentan en el Super Tazón número 11. The Raiders de Oakland, champion de la Conférence Américaine, et les Vikings de Minnesota, champion de la Conférence Nationale. Set at the foot of the San Gabriel Mountains, rising a little over a mile, the snow-covered mountains and the fall foliage is drifting slowly down to the base of this Rose Bowl here in Pasadena. We are about to bring to you the 11th Super Sunday Super Bowl. The way they get to the Super Bowl is pretty special as well. There's a brilliant bit in the America's game where they're talking through uh, the season and how it played out. They only lost one game all season to the Patriots. Yeah. And they came down to their last game of the regular season and it was against the Bengals. And they knew that if they lost to the Bengals, yeah. then the Bengals would go to the postseason and the Steelers would be out. And obviously the Steelers are the team that had put them out that postseason. That's so if, if, they, yeah, if they didn't beat the Bengals they could knock out the Steelers and it was a Monday night football game it was on national telly and everyone was kind of postulating are the are, are the Raiders going to roll over and let the Bengals win and, and, and hearing the guys talk about going into that game puts hairs up on the back of your neck because they said like yeah. we don't know how to play any other way of course we're not going to roll over yeah. of course we're not going to chuck the game Madden says of all the games he's ever coached in his life, that's the game he's most proud of, of how his team yeah. played. They go out there and they absolutely annihilate the Bengals. Uh, yeah. And it's really special to watch and to see them talk about it. For Madden to say that, they destroyed the Bengals that night. And it sent out this message of, we want to play the Steelers, bring it on, let's have you in the postseason. It's really good stuff. I never understood the mentality. When you see like World Cup draws for rugby and football, whatever, you look at groups and say, oh, you know, we, we don't want to be in that group. Why? Because there's strong teams in that group. Well, yeah, but if you want to be the world champions, you've got to beat the best teams in the world, right? Yeah. So for, so for Madden is saying there, yeah, if they're, if they're rolled over against the Bengals, they're not going to play their nemesis in the playoffs. They're not going to play the Steelers who've beaten them, you know, lots of times. But yeah, but 
if you want to win a Super Bowl, you've got to be the best. You've got to be the best team. Absolutely, so I love that. And that, that's that sent a real message to Chuck Noll of the Steelers then. Yeah, and then Villa, Villa Piano, who I love, I love him anyway. He's he great. says the thing I was, he says, but we hated the Bengals as well. He said, I hated everybody. We hated everyone. <laughs> That's really good. And then they come across, obviously they meet the Steelers in the AFC game, which, which again, like we said, feel, feels like the Super Bowl, really. It just felt like it was their time once this, you know, once they got to this game, they, they just had that moment where they said, you know, it was just our time. We took them over. We dismantled them. And I think the Steelers uh, did have a couple of their big players out, I think. But uh, they said, look, we just, we just, it doesn't matter who you got in there. You just got to bring it. Villapiano again said, you know, because Rocky Blyer and and Franco are both out, the two running backs. He said, but I want them to be playing. I wanted to smash them in the face. You know, I was, I was gutted they weren't playing. Yeah. I don't think it would have made, I don't, you you never know, but I don't think it would have made any difference. And for a season that started with uh, that George Atkinson knocking Swan out, which is footage you really have to see because it's nowhere near the ball. Like the ball's the ball's the ball's not close, and he just clubs him with a forearm across the back of his head, like from behind. It's brutal to yeah. watch. They also showed like Mel Blunt from the Steelers pile drive in Clifford Branch. You know, it almost broke his neck. I mean, it wasn't like the Steelers weren't like we said last week. You got Mean Joe Green and the Steelers. They were no angels. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Atkinson, when he was interviewed about it, said, well, if you don't want to get hit, don't turn up on a Sunday. <laughs> it's just like, just like not, not even, not doesn't back down one inch. But there's an incredible thing where, where at the end of the AFC game, when, when the Raiders do beat the Steelers, the last play is just playing out and, and they find out they've won. And the crowd just comes straight onto the pitch. And you can see like Atkinson and Swans be caught up by the crowd it's incredible footage it's really worth seeing no matter where they've gone they've always had that raider attitude so even after madden left and that, that it became so imprinted and i think it is there's a bit i saw with howie long on the crunch time video in the 80s so this would have been 10 years after that and he says when he turns up a camp he said they didn't ask me to bench any weight they didn't ask me to do a vertical jump didn't ask me to do a broad jump he said they didn't ask me to jump in a think tank see how my bad dreams were he said they gave me a helmet said you're playing defensive line and that was it <laughs> get on with it go on yeah, love it they get to the super bowl against the vikings the vikings had already been to three super bowls and lost and it did feel like a super bowl where it was the two teams who the, the perennial losers the perennial people who had missed out one of them had to win the vikings miss out again it was always got to go. <laughs> total, total uh, domination. 32-14. Yes, it wasn't even there, close, it? really. Um, How weird is it to see a Super Bowl in the daytime? Yeah, really strange, isn't it? Well, they come off the field in this bright light and it's the afternoon, think that's strange. Madden said before they went out, today will be the single biggest event of your whole life as long as you win. I know. <laughs> this is this is one of those Super Bowls. I know, like we've looked at dynasties, and you know, I I, I actually, I mean, like the romantic in me, the you know, in terms of the storyteller of the of the game, you know, it, it takes me back to the Bears, you know, the '85 Bears. You kind of go, there, there are those teams that are the dynasties where they win their Super Bowl and they say, well, look, we've got to do it again next year. This doesn't mean anything. We're back to work tomorrow. But the teams that treat the Super Bowl win like this is the defining moment of our life of this team this is the culminating moment that that's the stuff that really gets the imagine captures the imagination and this is one of those teams and for man to leave then isn't it you know what I mean yeah like you said six championship games that they've lost and you finally scale the mountain and go that's me because it must be so draining you listen to coaches in any sport um I remember listening, I think it was Shankleo talking about being a football manager, that basically making him ill every weekend, just the stress of it. And I think Man is such a family man. He's got, he's got other priorities. So what, when they won that and he finally proved that it, they could win the big one, he's like, well, I've done that now. I can, I can move on. I can, I can, yeah. That monkey's off my back. Because you, you got the ring. You imagine in a country that size to say, well, I'm not going to fly. Because so, <laughs> Madden says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fly. He ends up getting trains, then they get that that sort of custom made bus that takes them all over the country. I'd love to do I'd love to travel like that. It's an incredible lifestyle, isn't it? When he was still commentating, I can't remember which network tried to get him. Um 
but part of the package was, but he's quite a loyal man, so he stayed where, he, where he'd always been. Well, he's a very loyal man. They said uh, part of the package that he turned down was his own train. They were going to make give him his own train. <laughs> How good is that? That's so good. That's the so Bermans Parry Express. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> It's in the game. The way most NFL fans meet John Madden is through the computer game. The, you know, the fact that yeah. his name has become, you know, you play Madden. You don't play the NFL computer game. It's Madden. Have you seen the latest Madden? Where's Madden? And like, I, you yeah. know, I remember I was 14 and bought Madden 90, I think it was 93. And like, so, yeah. you know, the first thing I know about John Madden is that. And you see his face and you hear his, his quotes of like, hey, 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 heck of a play. And like, where'd Boom. that truck come from? <laughs> Boom, where'd that truck come from? <laughs> he became something that transcended the sport, really. Uh, he become, he's become part of modern day culture, you know, the Madden. Well, I think the sort is... of second wave of British football. I mean, the 80s was big through Channel 4 and it was new and it was, I mean, our football was a lot of times like hooliganism and it wasn't on that. It wasn't on TV as much as it is now. So it really stepped into that void and that was like the first big blossoming of British football, uh, American football fans. But the second wave is, I think, completely driven by computer games because there's kids, like you said, whose first introduction to it was playing Madden. And then through liking playing that game, they get into watching the game. But it was the computer game first. It wasn't. It wasn't being a football fan then buying the computer game. It was the opposite. And I mean, I don't. I don't play computer games much. But it is a sport that lends itself to being a computer game because you know you think about that perfect blend of like strategy, that whole thing of it being like a chess match, and and then Take like hunt, the adrenaline of the live open play. It does. Yeah, it does really lend itself to <laughs> being a computer game. I, I was thinking about it when I was watching the football on the weekend because there was a successful quarterback sneak, and I can remember quarterback sneak used to be my other favoured first day and play when I was playing John Madden because I just I thought I like they won't realise I don't know what I'm going to be doing here. <laughs> it was a two point conversion. It was a flat pass to the left, and then he pitched it back to the fella behind him to score. It's a designed lateral. I thought Tom Perry's loving this play. I was absolutely whenever I see a lateral, that's the answer. He's loving the rugby pass on this play. (laughs) So yeah, I mean that that is fake punt. Fake punt and quarterback sneak first down. I'm gonna play quarterback sneak here. They'll never see it coming. (laughs) But um yeah. That was your power sweep. (laughs) Yeah, everyone knows you're gonna do it, but you just gotta make it work. I'm doing a talk at the weekend. I'm doing eight hours on the quarterback sneak if anyone's interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, um, the documentary finishes with, the America's Game documentary finishes with uh, Madden looking at the ring and talking through the ring. And he says, you know, uh, Phil Villapiano says, that object, and he shows his ring, that object is me. That defines who I am. It's just like, and they talk you through the ring, and Madden says, and you can see, you can see exactly why he was a great coach. He says, the thing we asked for was that it has more diamonds and that it's bigger than any of the Steelers' rings. Yeah. <laughs> you just think that that is a yeah, man who yeah, engenders yeah. this thing of, it's, uh, and that's what makes the Raiders, I think, so great, and it's what makes Madden such a great Raiders coach. Is he engenders this whole feeling of it's us against them it's us against the world mm. the refs are against mm. us those Steelers are against us everyone hates us and we bring it on we love that and that's what it's what fuels Raiders Nation isn't it there's a superb documentary that I uh, I talked about on the other pod that I do on Distant Pod uh, about the Raiders when they went to LA and it's about the rap scene and how, how they ended up being big Raiders fans and all those sort of West Coast rappers he said, because they were the outsiders. And, and, and they said, we grew up in sort of South Central Los Angeles and they were the bad boys. A lot, a lot of black players on the team, they were the bad boys, they were the renegades. He said, so when they moved down the road from us, we couldn't believe it. You know, We couldn't believe that Oakland Raiders had come to Los Angeles because, yeah, they are, they are the Raiders. But it doesn't, I, I'm not a huge fan of teams moving from place to place. It's a very American thing that we can't really wrap our heads around in this country, but they remain the Raiders. And I say, well, like when they've when they've gone to Vegas now, I can't think of a I can't think of a better town for them to play it's, football in. When you think perfect, what Vegas is like, I, mean, I said it's the perfect marriage of a team and a location. Yeah, it really is, and it sounds great. 
the Vegas Raiders. And when you're listening oh, to man. the commentary and it says Vegas got the ball, it's just like it's it's in the stadium. There's the, there's the a big summer semi the summer semi the painting in the stadium of Elvis. They got there dressed in a, in a Raiders jersey with with, <laughs> oh. with with Presley on the back of the shirt. I was like, oh my god. Oh, Bubs. Well, look, that's the mural. That's the next mural in Bubbins Bar, isn't it? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. And I, I love John Madden. Those bloody piercing blue eyes. And he, and he was so over the moon when he finally got on the Hall of Fame. It took a long, much too long for him to get in there. And he says that, by, by the way, my biggest regret, I'm, I'm for 15, like I said, 15 couple of years, we, we are going to the Hall of Fame, Tom, you and I. We're gonna, yeah. that, that's going to happen. Not as inductees, I should say, as... as, as <laughs> well, I mean, we'll pay for a ticket. I mean, yeah, I think, well, I think we might I mean, have to pay a ticket. Yeah. I'm ambitious, but, I'm ambitious, but I think that boat has sailed. You know, um, I'll, I'll nominate you, Bubs. I'll nominate you. <laughs> you can give me the jacket. Um, and they show all the busts there in the in the in the cabinet. And there's Madden's bust, and he says, "I like to think that you know when the last person leaves and they turn and the security turn all the lights off, that all those busts talk to each other about football, about the you know the old days." I'm like, "Oh my God, I love you, John." Yeah, <laughs> I just like to hang out with him. Yeah. Just watch a football game with him, have some beers with him. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. A true legend of the game, true legend. So there it is, Bubs. We've got to the end of the fourth quarter oh. of the first season, season I. And, what season? Uh, yeah, well. Fingers crossed we'll be coming back for season II. Uh, if you want to hear more from the I pod, I? then uh, yeah, you can make that. Oh, no, I like that. If you want a bit more of season II, it's like season I, but I I? cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to see season II, then uh, you can help make that happen, you know, by uh, sharing the love. Go back, listen to the old episodes, leave some reviews on iTunes, recommend us to your mates. If you know there's someone who's getting into the NFL or loves the NFL who hasn't heard of us, um, then recommend the old episodes. I was going to say, if you're in like a UK uh, Twitter group for a team, just spread the word amongst your, amongst your, amongst your, uh, your nation. Absolutely right. And keep getting in touch. Keep on making suggestions for episodes you'd like to hear from us. Big shout out to uh, producer Simon, our man on the side. He was the too. pepper in the podcast stew. <laughs> <laughs> a man with more American football stories to burn than... Either me, uh, oh, yeah. me and Bubbins combined. I mean, it, maybe he's on the wrong I, side of the microphone. Yeah, maybe season I is the podcast where we get a little bit and some tidbits from producer Simon each episode. Yeah, so yeah. Big thanks to Josh and Michael at Keep It Light for uh, hosting the pod. Fingers crossed, we will be back. Cheers, Mike. I've loved this. Cheers, yeah, cheers, Tom. I really enjoyed it, mate. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, yeah, keep uh, keep enjoying football. Yeah.